Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Connecticut. Rahul, are you a little bit excited? I see the resurrection of Ross behind you there. I, I am excited, and I'm obviously excited by Ross Barkley, but I'm also excited that usually during the international break, it's kind of just dull, boring but this week, within the first four days of the break, we've got a lot of fun news to, to talk about. Yeah. Do you want to kick us in or dive right into something so we can get moving here? Yeah. So usually we start with Chelsea and we say Chelsea first, but I think there's only one place to start and that's up at Newcastle. I don't even know what's going on over there. It was not going to happen. Then it was going to happen, not going to happen. And then when it finally happened, all I saw were wild scenes coming <laughs> out of Newcastle. Any yeah. news you can share with us? Yeah, I mean, like you said, we had heard of it last year, about 18 months ago. Um, and, you know, it was the same Saudi Arabia consortium that was being linked to taking over that kind of fell through. In the last two days, the news popped up. And within 48 hours, it was a done deal. And like you said, the scenes outside um, St. James's Park were just, fans were going crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so before we you know, really dive into this wholesale and everything, the relationship between New- the exist or the previous Newcastle ownership and Newcastle fans, I believe his name is Mike Ashley, right. if I'm not mistaken, has not always been very good, has it? No, it hasn't. And I think the frustration was that he's been there, I think, 14, 15 years now and uh, didn't really seem interested in the club just wanted to be there to own the club and I think they went down once or twice under his ownership so uh, and personally we're obviously not Newcastle fans so we can't speak to that but I think a lot of fans said and have shared that they were just frustrated and wanted a change and I think the change has come and, and it has come in a big way because they're now owned by by Saudi Arabia consortium um, that is worth 10 times more than any other club or, or Premier League owner in, in, in the world. Yeah, I mean, just looking at some of the numbers here, it is incredible. I believe that the final selling price for Newcastle was in the 300 million range, if we're not mistaken here. However, the new ownership is in the 300 billion range, if I'm not mistaken. So I think it was on one of those things where they just kind of flipped a coin and they bought Newcastle. It was, <laughs> it was interesting, but... Just to get a little more information, you said that this has been going on since last year. Here we are now, finally a year later, it's happened. What can you tell us about how come it took a year or why we're back here? Yeah, so I mean, I think from what I've read and, and, and watched uh, since the news was confirmed earlier today is that the interest or the idea that was floated around kind of started four or five years ago where uh, the lady that is kind of the face of the the consortium, Amanda, I forget her last name. She was out in Newcastle watching a game. She's from the area. She knows Newcastle and and some of the clubs there. Uh, And that's kind of how it started. And then last year, like I mentioned, they came in and they started maybe serious talks and negotiations. Uh, And at that point, the Premier League, for a couple of reasons, was not in favor of it. One being uh, the fact that Saudi Arabia as a country wasn't allowing being sports, uh, who's a Qatari owned broadcast company that has the official rights to broadcast Premier League games in the Middle East, 
Saudi Arabia wasn't allowing them to broadcast games within the country. So therefore, Premier League wasn't officially being shown uh, to, to Saudi Arabia as a country. But um, since then, that's changed. Premier League is now officially in Saudi Arabia with being sports. So the Premier League is getting their cut. Uh, being sports is obviously making their cut and Saudi Arabia is now officially showing the Premier League versus maybe illegal streams, which, which right. um, you know, uh, some people use out there. So uh, that was the first hurdle that had to be crossed. The second hurdle was uh, the consortium that was backed by uh, the, the king and the, the royal family of Saudi Arabia. The Premier League wanted to have official documentation uh, and commitment that they weren't the sole party behind this consortium. And there was some kind of disconnect because they didn't basically want a whole country owning a club. Uh, so the Premier League has got that too now. And so since those two things kind of came through, Premier League said, we're good. You guys go ahead, close the deal with Mike Ashley. Mike Ashley got what he wanted. Uh, the consortium got what they wanted, which is a historical club. Like you and I were talking about before we started recording, Newcastle have been around for years sell out games uh, and have a long history in the league in English football. And finally, they now have the backing, uh, as fans would say, with, of, you know, a rich owner who's willing to not only invest in the in the first team squad, but overall in the whole club. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just looking this up as we're talking here. Mike Ashley purchased Newcastle for 135 odd million in 2007. And he's probably fixing to double his money here a few years later. Now, look, he held on to the club for several years, but I don't think that's a bad return for him, is it? No, no, absolutely not. And he goes away, he walks away, as you said, doubling his, his yeah. investment and leaves Newcastle in the Premier League. Now, yes, they're sitting in 19th and they have some hurdles to cross uh, under the new ownership. But I think with this boost, like we've seen with the fans, I think it will boost the players and the management because they'll all want to prove a point and show that they belong and, and should be at this club. Yeah, look, Chelsea sold 20-odd years ago for about $200 million and change. Manchester United sold several years ago for a billion and change. And so, yes, Newcastle have not been financially where they need to be, and they've not necessarily been in the Premier League in the table where they need to be, but it kind of shows that they need to get away from Mike Ashley. Really, Newcastle's value, for lack of a better term, has not increased drastically over the years. Uh, again, he's walking away with a great deal, but you would think a club of Newcastle's size, Newcastle's stature, the fan following they have, I mean, they generate fan following all around the world, would get a little bit more money for the sale. But look, I don't think Newcastle fans care. And speaking from, from fans all around the world, our very own from Kickoff Coffee, that's yeah. Christian, is a huge Newcastle fan. I wonder how he's feeling right now. Uh, so it's funny you bring that up. I actually spoke to him earlier today and he basically said he could not sleep last night. Just, <laughs> just, And it wasn't even confirmed. He just was excited and looking forward to the future of his club. And uh, I mean, that's the, the positive side of this. Right. Is his fans are excited and uh, overall looking at what this means for English football, it, it just means that now we have another club that's going to be pushing for top four, top six. Um, and trying to buy players that, you know, some of the other bigger teams may be buying similar to what Man City did when they first came in and, and right. stole Robinho from us. <laughs> um, so that's the positive side. Obviously there's a negative side to it, which is, um, and I don't want to get into the politics of it because there's, there's a lot of human right issues that have been, been brought up uh, with the Saudi Arabia uh, 
person, a Mohammed bin Salman, who's been uh, who's the head of this, and he's had his fair share of controversies and issues with human rights. So I, I personally don't want to get into that because I, I don't know too much about it. Uh, but it's out there for people to read if they want to educate themselves, like I will after this, and uh, we can always cover it in a future episode. Yeah, fair point there. And I mean, it's going to be exciting times looking forward for Newcastle. I know it's going to take some time. I was listening to some of the interviews that are going on. It's definitely not going to be overnight, but this is kind of similar to what Abramovich did for Chelsea when he came in, got around there and said, training ground, nope put something brand new in you talk about the youth system I mean we have been praised Chelsea's academy I mean has been praised for what they've brought to England not just Chelsea but to England as far as a youth setup goes and you're going to imagine that Newcastle is going to do something similar where they've already turned down some good talent in the last few years I can think think of the Longstaff brothers that are coming through now yeah you can imagine that with a fully functional youth department where they've invested heavily that's going to be the first phase. They've talked about expanding the stadium because we know that stadium is busting at the seams today with them sitting at 19th. Can you imagine if they're driving themselves up into the table into Europe? It's going to be incredible. And then, of course, you got to get a little giddy. The fans are talking about Mbappe coming. They're talking about <laughs> Neymar. Hey, Messi might join too. Look, no, in all seriousness, these are things that come with proper funding and a properly run football club. No, you're spot on. And as much as we like to have fun and fans like to you know, have fun with these big names, uh, I think this, this group and this consortium are here for the longer term. Uh, and they're obviously going to, the next few days, months and, and weeks coming up, they're, they're going to look through what they need to do. And uh, I expect some changes to come through maybe in January and then obviously in the summer. Uh, but that all depends on what Newcastle can do on the pitch right now. Uh, and as we've said, they're sitting in 19th. So uh, this could be the boost that they needed to prove something to the new owners and, and hopefully it doesn't come in our game against them at the end of the month. But uh, exciting times for them. And I'm sure we'll connect with the other friend from Newcastle, Dan, from the Premier yep. League conversation. Uh, I'm sure he's buzzing as well. Yeah, and just before we move off Newcastle, I will be very, very surprised if their manager lasts a little bit longer than the end of the month. So hopefully we play them before all these changes happen. But just knowing how ruthless, you know, very good ownership can be, uh, changes are coming. So Newcastle fans, you have a lot to look forward to. Yeah, and and the Premier League as a general, you know, as fans of the Premier League, we we look forward to what this means for uh, the rest of the league. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Rahul, shall we move on to a different topic here? Yeah, let's talk about, and we'll talk about Chelsea, but let's let's get through the international break so far. So. UEFA Nations League, and we've covered this in the past where we said, what is it? Why is it <laughs> happening? Uh, but in the last two days, we've seen why it's happening because it's given a whole new edge and meaning to international football where it was initially just qualifiers and, and friendlies. Now, in the last two days, we've seen Spain beat Italy and, and mess up their record of 37 unbeaten games. And we've seen Belgium throw away another tournament and France make it to another final. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think I was telling you right before the podcast started, but it's good to share this with our listeners is sometimes I get busy wrapped up in a day of work, but I always can rely on my friend here, Rahul, to keep me <laughs> updated on what's going on. I'm sitting there typing away and then what next thing I know, it's like, oh, two nail to Belgium. This is exciting. Keep typing away a few minutes later another lead squandered by Belgium and they're out of a tournament. So thank you for that, first of all. But wow, what an incredible game that was, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was. And, and Belgium, honestly, it's kind of their story, right? I, I read somewhere they're the Tottenham of international football where wow. they have the potential, they have the players, they have the manager. Well, I'm not sure about Martinez, but uh, they have a good squad and, and they keep getting into positions and later st- latter stages of, of the tournaments and then they fall through and never live up to the expectations. Right. That's got to be tough, honestly. When you talk about a squad, I think, yes, obviously, you know, England's up there, Spain's up there, France, Italy, but Belgium on an individual group of players. I mean, you talk about Lukaku, you talk about the Hazard brothers, you talk about Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. I don't want to just keep going because they are just so many incredible players. I've never seen a core group of individual players playing at the highest level at different clubs across the world. And then you get to the stage and they're becoming the almost team, almost like England a few few years ago, where we'd say they've got the individual talent in Gerard Lampard, Rooney, uh, Joe Cole, Owen. I mean, the list went on and on and they became the almost team. Now, you know, to credit to Belgium, they have made it further in recent seasons, but they've just not made it to a major tournament win like we've expected from them. Yeah, and, and the Nations League presented them an opportunity to do that. It's obviously not the Euros or the World Cup, but... Uh, once you win that one first trophy, it's kind of easier to win the second one, and they keep falling at the last hurdle or or the second last hurdle in the semifinal. So, I think you know for Martinez, I maybe one more tournament, which is the World Cup next year, right? Uh, and even for some of the players, we're, we're kind of getting older, and as a group, could be a last major tournament for them. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what they can do next year. But coming to France, I mean. They kind of proved why they are world champions. I mean, they went down 2-0, like you mentioned, Lukaku scoring a brilliant second goal for Belgium and right before halftime. And then France come back from the second half and just turn up the heat and come back into the game and win it right at the end, 3-2. Yeah, and that's the sign of what you just said, which is world champions, is you just never lay down and die. You're just going to keep coming back and fighting till the very end. So very exciting to see. I mean, games like those are what we we watch football for. Right. It's disappointing for Belgium, but absolutely thrilling for France to make it to another final. Yeah, and so now France move ahead and face Spain, who beat, like I said, Italy in Italy. Uh, and Italy hadn't lost a game for 37 international games that included the Euros, that included right. qualifiers, and uh, Spain show up. And this is obviously a rematch of the, the semifinals in the Euros a few months ago. And Spain show up and spoil the party and move on to the final. And it's interesting to talk about Spain, Rahul, because our very own Marcus Alonso making it back into the Spanish squad. And testament to him, look, you and I are big Chilwell fans. We'll get to Chilwell in just a second here. But Marcus Alonso, I think he's pushing 30 years old now, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 31 but he's been in fine form. He's kept Ben Chilwell out of our squad and definitely well, well deserved to get back into that Spanish squad. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been playing the last two months for Chelsea and playing pretty well, maybe not in the Man City game, but apart from that, he's done very well and uh, deservedly gets a call back into the Spanish team, which personally, I put my hand up, I wasn't aware of until I right. watched him playing the game. And I was <laughs> like, wait, what? Um, not that I was surprised. I was just more surprised that I was seeing him on, on right. TV when I wasn't expecting to. Um, and on the other side, I see Aspla Quetta. So I'm yeah. like, all right, this this is a good, you know, good duo and uh, good for Alonso. He's last season was kind of out of it, came back into it when Tuchel came in and then kind of fell out again when Chilwell took over and he's worked his way back in and earned himself 
the Chelsea first, I mean, Chelsea's spot as the first choice left back, we left wing back and now doing the same thing for Spain. Yeah, all credit to him. And again, great to see Aspilicueta. I think that man has got so much never-say-die attitude, which is probably the best way to describe Aspilicueta over the years. Good to see him constantly regain his place in the Spanish squad. I think he's been there for a long time now, a stalwart, and he's always dependable, dependable no matter what happens. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, Spain, I mean, I think Spain might be, after that result and after what we saw at the Euros, Spain might be one of those teams that, grows in and and matures coming up to the world cup next year and they have some exciting talent coming through with pedri with gavi uh with you know some of the veterans and alonso yeah. and and um espelicueta so they could have a good squad and and could be one of the the picks for the world cup next year yeah we may keep our eyes on them to just see how well they do in in the next few games here as well so Let's talk a little bit about Ben Chilwell. I know you've been talking about free Ben Chilwell. Rahul, he makes one appearance for Chelsea, and he's back in the England squad. He is. It's That's all it took. It was one, like I was saying, Alonso had to play two months to get back into the Spain squad. Chilwell makes one and a half appearances, if you want to call it that, and, and he's back for England. Yeah, it's good to see him back. I think more than anything, we've known he's needed game time. Uh, yes, Alonso has been the first choice left back. Yes, he's getting a lot of game time. Maybe this is a good opportunity for Ben Chilwell to get some game time with England. Doesn't mean he's not going to get it for Chelsea, but maybe it's that push Tuchel needs to see that Ben Chilwell is indeed fit, healthy, and ready to go. And then we have very, very good competitive left backs or left wing backs, whatever you want to call them, for the next few games that come up for us. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, personally, I would have preferred Chilwell to maybe stay with Chelsea and, and yeah, kind of impro- continue to impress Tuchel in the... Uh, in training, and if it's Alonso away, it only means that Chilwell would be fresher and ready to go. Um, but he goes away with England, and that's that's perfectly fine. He gets to represent his country, and hopefully Gareth Southgate plays him and not just leaves him on the bench <laughs> like he did at, at the Euros. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. So before I move away from the UEFA Nation League, I believe that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Rahul, Belgium will be playing Italy in the third, fourth playoffs here, if I'm not mistaken. I, I believe so. I'm more focused on the final, but... Yeah, uh, yep. So we're going to yeah, see right. Luka- Lukaku versus Jorginho here. And then, of course, in the final, we've got Spain versus France, which should be an exciting final as well. Yeah, and that's the, the final is in Italy on Sunday. Uh, so it should be a good game, and we'll definitely keep an eye out for it. And if I can, I'll post the updates to keep <laughs> you and our followers in the loop. Definitely appreciate that one, my friend. All right. I know everybody listening right now is itching to talk about the Chelsea men's game because there's a lot to talk about. But before we jump into that, Rahul, do you want to bring us some updates from the Chelsea women's side? Yeah. So they've been playing their back in their regular kind of flow of games. And uh, the last time we spoke, they had just won their quarterfinal against Birmingham City. They then went went on and won their women's Super League game over the weekend against Brighton at Coven Albion. Uh, and it was a 3-1 win. And it wasn't the usual suspect scoring, uh, apart from Sam Kerr, but uh, <laughs> Guru Raitan and Beth England got into the goals okay. too. So you would ask me a few weeks ago that, you know, our goals yep. are coming from from just two or three players. Uh, well, now they're getting diversified and they're still winning. <laughs> Great to hear that, actually. And I think Beth England was a name you called a few weeks ago saying she may come back and get a goal or two. So good to hear that. Yes. And so they then moved on and, uh, kicked off their Champions League campaign uh, the other night against Wolfsburg at home. Uh, the Kings Meadow was 
rocking. Everybody was there, ready for the game. This was the first game for us in the Champions League after the loss last season against Barcelona. So kind of a new uh, start and maybe a push to get to the final again. And it started pretty well. Sam Kerr getting a beautiful goal, a chip over uh, the goalkeeper, putting us 1-0 up. But then we decided to kind of shoot ourselves into in the foot and gave away basically two goals to Wolfsburg to put them 2-1 up. Beth England again got a goal to make it 2-2. Uh, and then Wolfsburg were three goals up. So then we were down and, and trying to figure, fight our way back. And in the 92nd minute, I'm going to let you say the name. Benil Erda. And I actually saw her celebrate this one, but yes, Benil Erda. Against her former team, who she joined uh, Chelsea from last year, scored and equalized and brought us back into the game. Uh, and excited we were i was thinking we're about to win this and we almost gave away a fourth goal <laughs> uh luckily for us burger came out quickly and kind of sweeped it away and that was the the end of the game it ended 3-3 an exciting game we fought back in the second half but like emma hayes said we need to stop making these mistakes because we could have easily won this game and, and avoided the the last minute kind of you know scramble and we got the goal but it could have gone a different way Yeah, and it's disappointing when, you know, it's 3-3 because we know we can win these games. But I think this has been the theme of the women's team. Not not coming from behind or not struggling with mistakes, but the fact that this team never says no. They just keep going and keep going. And and like you said, I asked this question a few weeks ago. The goals seem to be coming from two or three players. What happens if those two or three players either get injured or don't step up? Boom, another few players actually step up. And that's what we want to see. We don't want to see them conceding goals or making mistakes. But look, I think those things happen in football. As long as you keep scoring those goals, you just tighten up at the back. I think it's going to continue to do well for the women's team here. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mentioned Emma Hayes, and I can't move on without congratulating her because she has been inducted into the Hall of Fame for the Women's Super League. Wonderful. Uh, and she becomes the fourth inductee this year and um, is the longest serving coach or, or manager, if you want to say that, in the Women's Super League. So she's richly deserved it. She's contributed a lot to the league. Uh, and something else I saw, not not on this, but just on the topic of women's football, there's been a 25% increase in, in viewership of just women's, the game of the women's game. So uh, she's been there. Emma Hayes has been there from the beginning. And, and congratulations to her. She deserves it. And she will continue to grow the game and Chelsea Football Club as a Absolutely. whole. Absolutely. And, you know, a few episodes into season one, I forget exactly which episode, maybe we can link it. We actually did a little bit of trivia on Emma Hayes and her background. I'm not going to go into that right now, but it's a lovely story to listen to. So if you're interested, maybe we can link that on Instagram somewhere. That'll be great. Yeah, absolutely. And and, uh, just before we move on, they played this weekend on Sunday against Leicester City at home. So it should be a good game coming back into the Super League and, and kind of continuing where they left off. And it's an early kickoff, but if you can, do catch it, and we'll be supporting them. Absolutely. Now, again, I'm going to say, I know you want to hear about the men's team, but not just yet. One more big piece of news coming out of the Premier League. And I think I say Tinkerman Tuchel a lot, but actually, <laughs> the original original Tinkerman, Claudio Ranieri, yes, the very same Claudio Ranieri for Chelsea, the very same one that Tinkerman his way into Leicester and actually won the Premier League is back in the Premier League, Rahul. He is, and we that also means we've had our first managerial casualty of the season. Has. Uh, and I think we predicted 
we actually tried to predict who would yeah. be, and I think we all got it wrong. <laughs> it's um, Cisco from Watford who leaves his post, and like you said, Ranieri comes in and uh, becomes the new manager for Watford. And an exciting time of, you know, good to see him back into the into the league and in London. I believe he still has a home there, uh, so it should be an easy transition for him. And the other stat I saw was this is the eleventh manager Watford have fired or hired if you want to say in the last 11 years so the question was how long will he last and I saw jokes that there was already statements put out and ready that Ranieri has left his position as manager of Watford but a good hopefully a good start for him and he can kind of build upon that and and stay in the league yeah I've always been a fan of Ranieri he has been a bit of a journeyman for lack of a better word he's got a lot of clubs he has managed but he has been fairly successful at most of these clubs, not necessarily. I mean, Leicester was a magical story, but even with Chelsea, from what I remember, he took us to the Champions League pretty far stages. We were competitive in the league. He went back to Italy. He's done excellent work over there. So I think this is a good one for Watford to capture Claudio Ranieri, and maybe he can bring them a little bit higher on the table and stabilize ship for them. But exciting to see him back in the Premier League, if not for for Watford, but for some of the fun commentary he brings back on his press conferences. If you haven't seen some of the stuff he said, just Google it or YouTube it. It's just funny to see how Ranieri communicates with the press. Yeah, absolutely. And we wish him the best. He's a near and dear to our hearts as a, as a former Chelsea man. And he's actually, like you said, from his press conferences and just his overall demeanor, he seems like a good man. <laughs> he does. He definitely seems like a fun personality to have back in the Premier League. Yep. So... Now right, we move man, we've on been, to, yeah. there you go. <laughs> we've been avoiding the men's uh, competition here for a few minutes, but rightly so. The last couple of episodes have been a little bit disappointing. I'm not going to lie. Uh, people were panicking. Tuchel out was thrown around and I was just going, what is going on? But that's the nature of us Chelsea fans. We're spoiled and uh, rightly so. We've been winning so many things over the last few years. But here we are. We played Southampton and uh, Rahul, why don't you take us through the game for a few seconds here? Yeah, so we started with our familiar 3-4-2-1 with Mendy in goal. Trevor Chaloba came back in, yeah. Thiago Silva and Rudiger in defense, Espelicueta at that right wing back, Loftus-Cheek and Kovacic, and our man was finally free, free. Ben <laughs> Chilwell at left wing back. Uh, Timo Werner and hudson Adoy yeah. in attack with Lukaku up top. Look, I think in the previous episode, we were screaming for, I'm not going to talk about Chilwell because you've been screaming for Chilwell for like <laughs> five episodes now, but hudson Adoy's name was thrown out because we talked about some energy. Ruben Loftus' cheek, we've been talking about, not necessarily a start, but he's been impressive in several games. It looks like he's hungry. He looks like there's a desire in him. And I think we did look for Chaloba to get a start as well because we've looking, we're have looking. we looking to see after Reese James got his, his red card or injury, Who's going to play that right wing back? Who's going to play that center back position? And I think it's worked out nicely for Chaloba. And we'll get into the goals in just a second here. But exciting, exciting lineup. And, you know, I can't be more happy because, well, let's get into the goals maybe, Raul. Why don't you take us through them? <laughs> yeah, so the first goal comes from Trevor Chaloba. And, yep. and he that picked, that's his second goal in, I think, four or five games he's yeah. played this season. And so he's got a pretty good record. <laughs> um, and it's a diving header at the far post from the corner. And he puts us 1-0 up. And I think that was a goal that we needed as, as a club, as a team, after coming back uh, from back-to-back losses against City and, and Juventus. And that kind of settled the nerves a little bit. But then Southampton also knew that, you know, we have another 81 minutes to get back into it. 
Right. Uh, and we do get a second goal from Timo Werner, who this guy must be the unluckiest person on the planet because he scores, it seems like a perfectly <laughs> good goal. And then VAR goes back, not to the goal, but to almost two instances before the goal happens where they, they deem Aspilicueta to have fouled a Southampton player, even though that was a pretty soft decision, and chalk off the goal. Yeah, let's dissect that moment for a few minutes because Tuchel was very, very furious during that entire incident. And he came out afterwards and said, I need to learn to control my emotion. But that's a tough one, right, Rahul? I mean, you're talking about whether it's a foul or not. It happened at a point where we then crossed the ball from there and it went way to the other side of the pitch, meaning the play that could have affected the goal is technically over, done and dusted we as Chelsea have to start again and build back up again. And that's where the goal comes from, from Timo Warners. We have to build back up again. And to Tuchel's point, whether or not that's a foul, imagine that it's, it is a foul. We win the ball back. It's technically the same as us starting the play again. Yes, I understand the techn- technicality of us having possession. I do. But it's getting interesting with VAR, especially since Tuchel got into very specific details around what he was briefed with at the beginning of the season for anybody who didn't watch his interview. Basically he says the referees have said they want the game to flow more. They're going to allow it to flow more. So they may be a little more physical touches, which are not considered fouls. And from there, more positive play can result, which is exactly what the on-field referee did. But my favorite system VAR comes back in, looks at it and says, Hey, that happened 30 years ago. Let's reverse the <laughs> decision. And that's, that's a tough one to swallow. It is. And it, it... To continue to joke, it's almost like Vieira is like, Timo Werner scored. We have to take this <laughs> off. Uh, and the stat is now that he's scored 16 goals and VAR has taken away 16 goals from him. Some rightly so he was offside in certain right. cases, but this I don't think was was one no. of them. And maybe I'm a little biased. Uh, but like you said, the play happened. Espelicueta gets the ball, crosses it in. It's cleared. Uh, I think Lukaku gets a shot. It's cleared falls to Hudson Adoy who puts it back in and then the goal goes in so Southampton had enough time to reset get players into a position but VAR being VAR and honestly don't know what more to say about it (laughs) luckily we come back and win it but this could have been a moment where we could have we could have dropped points just because the referee made a mistake yeah, and, and I don't want to blame that referee on field, Rahul, because like I said, his initial decision, which was his gut feeling, was right. It's when VAR gets involved. And this was my rant that I got on last season in episode, uh, I want to say it's like 30 or something in between in all the episodes we did, where I was just frustrated with VAR and I said, get it out. And they promised to make it better. I don't believe this is the way to make it better, especially going back. I know it was 20 or 30 seconds, but the play was over. Uh, speaking of Timo Werner, before we move on, his stats show he's played 60 games for Chelsea and had 14 goals so far. If his 16 goals were allowed, Rahul, we're looking at a, at a striker that has a goal every other game, and we are not we are not surprised to say he's one of the best in the Premier League at that point in time, aren't we? That would be right, but we're now looking at 14 goals, and, <laughs> and that's a little bit more disappointing. But you've got to remember, he brings a lot more and never gives up, which is what we've said. Yeah, hold on to that thought, because we'll talk about what happens in that second half. And I want to praise Timo Werner a little bit more. But why don't we move on to what happens later after that first goal from Chelsea? Yeah, so, I mean, that that kind of brings the first half to the end. We went, we we're 1-0 up. I think Lukaku had a goal disallowed somewhere in there along yep. the way for being offside. Offside, yeah. Um, which 
at least we were creating chances and, and not, you know, facing a similar issue like we did against Juventus, where we just didn't really have a, an attacking threat. Second half comes around and Southampton pushing a little bit more. Our old boy, Tino, uh, Livermento looked pretty good. I mean, before I get into, you know, the penalty, he was commanding that right side and causing issues and uh, wins a penalty against Ben Chilwell. Um, <laughs> you see how I said that kind of softly. Uh, yeah, you but freed, he, you he freed Ben. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we freed him a little too much. Too much. <laughs> uh, but he did well. Tino did well to kind of fake it and then cut inside. And, and I think Chilwell didn't really need to dive into it, but he did and gives away yeah. a penalty. And they have an expert in James Ward-Prowse who steps up and scores. Yeah, beautiful penalty from James Ward-Prowse to put it away. And, you know, a lot of people online were talking about Ben Chilwell. This is the reason he doesn't play, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, I looked at it and said two months of not starting a game. That, to me, just looked like Ben was a little bit rusty for, for game time. That's all it was. It, other than that moment, Rahul, I think he performed pretty well. And we'll get to why I'm saying he performed pretty well. But, honestly, it was just one of those moments where quick laps and concentration. You're not playing week in, week out. You're not match match fit it, yeah. for lack of a better word even though you are very fit it's just that speed of the premier league you need to be playing week in week out to kind of get back into touch with it but hey they get that penalty it's 1-1 and you and me are sweating my friend when i say sweating we are sweating right yeah because you you touched on it at the start of of this this uh section for the men's is that we'd come from two losses there was some murmurs from certain fans not all of them around mm-hmm. Tuchel and and you kind of, as a fan of Chelsea, know when things kind of start going off track when we've lost a game to City, we've lost a game to Juventus, we've conceded a goal against Southampton. There's that sense of frustration, there's that sense of here we go again, we're kind of falling off of track. Um, but we had enough time and Southampton, for, to their credit, were holding off and, and doing well and we made some changes, Mason Mount comes on and it wasn't until the 73rd minute where James Ward-Prowse, the man who had brought Southampton back into the game, goes in for a tackle on Jorginho because they were pressing us high. Uh, and if Jorginho kind of mistimes the ball there and, and Ward-Prowse yeah. gets it, it falls to two Southampton players who are basically one-on-one with Mendy. Luckily for us, that doesn't happen. James Ward-Prowse catches Jorginho, picks up a yellow card first initially, VAR says, no, no, go look at it, referee. He looks at it this time around. He gives it in our favor, gives Southampton a red and then red card, I mean. And from that point on, the belief kind of grows back into the crowd, into the players, and and we come back and and get a goal. We do indeed. And who scores this goal for us, Rahul? It comes from Timo Werner, which great for him. Like we said, he's always trying to get himself back into the box, get himself a goal. But it the goal is made by a certain player who came on off the bench. Ross Barkley kind of played a, a Sesk Fabregas type of ball out from wow. midfield to the right-hand side to Espelicueta, who made a great run. And the ball was so perfectly timed that all Espelicueta had to do was cross it right back into the middle and Timo Werner comes in and scores. First of all, that's high, high praise to say Ross Barkley and Cesc Fabregas in the same that, that moment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, no disrespect to Ross Barkley because I think that he's a very, very good player. And that pass that he made was absolutely world-class to find 
Aspilicueta's right toe. And I say right toe because it landed right on his foot first time and just made a beautiful cross into the middle of the goalpost. And Timo Werner, I mean, you had to do everything to miss that. It was on a silver platter for him. And look, we've seen some scary Timo Werner misses, and I'm not hating on <laughs> Timo Werner. But he took his chance when it mattered the most, and he buried that one. And Rahul, I got to say that that celebration was was relief for Timo. You could see a lot of frustration come out from him when he was screaming and yelling. It was a little bit of rain. He was sliding down the pitch just saying, I needed that goal. I had to have that goal, and thank God I got that goal. He did, and, and he earned that goal. I mean, yeah. And if it wasn't him, Lukaku was kind of right in, in, the, in and around that position to tap it in. So... Um, Barkley kind of started that a faster move kind of put Southampton on the back foot because if you kind of just keep knocking it in front of their defenders they're going to be comfortable but that ball almost opened them up and then that caused a little bit of panic our players rushed into the box and and got rewarded for it so um, maybe the red card helped maybe it didn't because we were we were pushing for it and and with Barkley's vision and, and Aspilicueta's assist, we, we get back into it. And then we get a third, which is, is the best way to kind of see out the game because it comes from Ben Chilwell. <laughs> you get so excited to talk about Ben Chilwell. I love it. And it does come from Ben Chilwell. But leading up to that moment, I think four or five players could have scored in that moment. We hit the post a couple of times. The goalkeeper saves it. And I'm just sitting here like, somebody put this ball in the <laughs> net we just needed. And... It ricochets off a bunch of players, a bunch of posts, like we said, and Ben Chilwell just hammers it in. It's saved again, but this time goal line technology says, nope, it's a goal for Ben Chilwell. And look, he went from a villain very, very quickly to a hero because all is forgiven, all is forgotten, and we're back to winning ways, my friend. Yeah, and, and there's another English player you've got to talk about in this, this little piece, apart from Ben Chilwell getting the goal, is Mason Mount, mm-hmm, who didn't absolutely. start this game. He had missed the last two games. Immediately when he came on and took his position in that attacking trio, you could see what we had missed in the last two games with his run, his aggression. And in this third goal, he made that run uh, in behind the defenders, which opened up the space for him to put in the cross. Uh, and which was, I think, initially Lukaku's shot was saved by uh, the goalie, fell to Aspilicueta, who hit the post fell to Ben Chilwell, who hit it and was saved again. But like you said, goal line technology uh, comes to the rescue and he gets a goal and it makes it 3-1 right in the 90th minute. Yeah, it's something that just took that final few minutes of pressure off, relieves everything. Everybody's excited at that point. We can breathe a little bit more. But I want to talk a little bit about a couple of players here. How We already touched on Ross Barkley. I think Tuchel is resurrecting a couple of names here. I'm going to call it the three R's, the resurrection of Ross and Ruben. Those two young Englishmen are looking very fresh, very vibrant. Uh, Ross gave away the number eight early on in the season, and we're thinking, yep, we're done with Ross Barkley here. But credit to him. I mean, Tuchel came out later on and said he's playing without any pressure. He's just having a good time. He's not worried about anything else. And, and it showed in that last game. And, and before that as well, when he came on as a sub, he just looks excited to play. I mean, he's making the most of the opportunities that are being given to him and He's making a difference in those opportunities, which is what we asked for as a substitute. And right. um, he's got a little bit of like a chip on his shoulder. He's got something yeah. to prove because he's given up the number eight. Chelsea clearly didn't really want him to be in, in, in and around the first team squad. He's still here 
nobody else really came in for him, which is another kind of disappointing thing for him. So he's got a few things to prove and he's showing it that he could still be the player that we thought he would be a few years ago. Uh, And hopefully he stays and and provides these uh, kind of assists and moments for us throughout the season, because we've said it all throughout, we will need players to come in and make a difference and like you said, Ross Barkley did in this game. Loftus-Cheek looked good, kind of continued his form and played in that two midfield two, which yeah. is his preferred position. Yeah, that was an interesting one to see because you've talked about the likes of Kante having injury. We've talked about previously. And then you look at maybe Jorginho has been found out a couple of times this season. I think people are starting to realize he dictates a lot of our players. So they put a lot of pressure on him. So just having Ruben in there as a breath of fresh air and a little bit shocking to see Saul just being pushed down the pecking order here because of the resurrection of Ruben and, and Ross. Here's an interesting thing where we go out and get a player and then it actually does a different situation where it makes our internal players step up another level, which is always a good thing. It's a little bit tough for Saul, but hey, maybe he can push himself to step up as well so he can come back into the team. Uh, the other player I want to talk about, Rahul, I mean, obviously Ben Chilwell, you, you can heap praise on him all day long. We've already covered the, the penalty. But Timo Werner, he gets a lot of hate. He gets a lot of flack. Yes, he was wrongly chalked off for that first goal. The second goal, Aspilicueta put on, an, on a platter for him, so he had, to, he had to score that. But that man runs and runs and runs. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, my thighs are hurting wanting him watching him run that much. So, I mean, he has to get some credits. He does. No, you're, you're right. And um, it's not about the goal. It's about all the hard work he does to off the ball and, and kind of pressuring teams and being that second striker for Lukaku. Um, so no, you're, you're spot on. I think he deserves the credit and turbo Timo comes, comes up big this time uh, with the goal, if not with the goal that was disallowed. So he's always in and around that that box trying to get a goal and uh, this would have done him a world of good in terms of his confidence and I think Tuchel's realizing that having him around Lukaku almost frees up Lukaku in a way because he did get a goal which I like I yeah. said was, was chalked off and he had a couple more other opportunities because defenders now have two guys to 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 defend versus right. one guy which is Lukaku uh, and the other player that I was impressed with was Hudson Odoi he he almost Absolutely fills in when Pulisic is out with his ability yeah. to drive at players and take players on. So um, Timo Werner was good. Hudson Odoi was good. Lukaku, I wish had gotten a goal because it's kind of drying up now, but he got one for Belgium. So hopefully he'll bring that, uh, <laughs> that scoring streak back to us. Yeah. And so before we wrapped up, you talked about a lot of names there. Do you have a man of the match for the game? I'm going to go with Timo Werner. Okay. That's definitely a fair one. I'm going to give it to Chaloba. I don't think he got a lot of praise for that game, but good to see the young man getting his start. And look, whenever a center back, I always say this, whenever a center back can contribute with a goal, they're up there in my team. They are. And when we said it, I think a few episodes ago, it was like Lukaku's scoring all our goals. Well, (laughs) he's not now. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. But yeah, so that took us to the top of the Premier League t- table. And that's where we stayed because Man City and Liverpool tied 2-2. And that was the bigger, the big game of the weekend. And I mean, watching that game was, the, those are two very, very good teams. And uh, that's the standard that we're trying to achieve. But right. if we are finishing top, not saying this is the final table, <laughs> but even right now, just finishing top for the next couple of days or weeks, 
it's just a good feeling because you know that the last week that we had with the losses and, and you know, some of the murmurs that you had mentioned, there's still some positivity that is being is going on behind the scenes and we've got to stick with it. Yeah, look, anytime you can go into an international break being top of the league, I think for me mentally, it's a good thing because when you come back, you come back refreshed. No matter what's going on internationally, you come back refreshed and say, hey, we're top of the league. Now, look, we've done that before and we've not ended up winning the league. And it's early days, Rahul. I'm not trying to get too excited, but little positives and silver linings, especially coming off a couple of back-to-back defeats here. Yeah, especially because we've played Arsenal away, we've played Liverpool away, we've played yeah. Tottenham away, we've played Man City. And even after all of that, we're, we're up there. Yep. So long may it continue. We have some easier or winnable <laughs> games coming up, which we'll review in our future episode. But um, it's exciting times for us. Not getting carried away, but yep. we'll, we'll see what happens towards the next month before the next international break. But uh, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. Uh, as always, send us your feedback. Also, leave us a, a review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out. Uh, and we will be back next week uh, with, I think, a special episode, Jackie. I think we've been talking about maybe doing yeah. a live episode on Green Room, so we'll share those details on our social media. Uh, and then we'll do a, a re. A, preview i beg your pardon to the brentford game which almost is another big game at this point (laughs) Uh, but until then stay safe and up to chelsea